0: So let's start off with sports it's it's you know it's football season the bowl games uh have been going on the championship game is coming up uh depending on when people are listening to this but uh i know neither of us but oh, i should say both of us went to small liberal arts private christian schools with not the best um you know football team so neither of us are are you know our alma mater is going to be playing on on New Year's Day in a bowl game, but you have a strong you know connection with Kansas State, obviously, because that's where your wife went, right?
1: Yeah, my wife and my sister and my brother-in-law and yeah, yeah.
0: I'm kind so of you have of strong that. ties there. Yeah. So you have some rooting interest in that, but I'm just wondering, uh, coming from the perspective of a, a, a an evangelical guy who went to an evangelical institution for college. Uh, probably like me wishes sometimes that you went to a bigger school so you could actually go to games and root for a good team but uh, your impression of the bowl season thus far um it's been
1: okay i uh i was disappointed with the playoff um i think i'm glad there is a playoff let me say that i think that part is awesome. I think it became clear though, um, before we even started playing in these first games that the committee made a mistake by limiting it to four teams in the first year, sort of like they, they knew the right thing to do and they only went halfway there. Um, there's no reason not to do an 18 playoff. And if you had had an eight-team playoff this season, I think it would have paid off in a major way with teams like Texas tech and Baylor, who just got the shaft. Um, and some yeah, of some the of
0: that TCU Baylor
1: thing was, sorry TCU. Was pretty, Did I say uh, Texas Tech? Yeah,
0: TCU. Yeah. <laughs> the TCU thing getting bumped was pretty ridiculous, and it. We don't have to go into it, that whole debate, but I'm wondering. You know, you look at uh, Florida State, Oregon, which was a big, you know, that was the Rose Bowl, um, which was a complete massacre, and then the number one seed Alabama. Plays Ohio State, the team that nobody thought should be in it, and di- I? Like I have a lot of friends out here that are actually Alabama fans. A couple of friends that went there and played sports in, in different sports, not football, but um, so very diehard Alabama fans. And I didn't want to say it out loud because I watched bowl games with many of them, and they take it very, very seriously. Yeah, as SEC <laughs> fans are want to do. Yeah, but in the back of my head, I just kept thinking, like, how how funny, how sweet sweetly ironic would it be if Ohio state ends up winning this and wins the whole thing after all that. And I just feel like that's how it always is in sports. People complain or on the other end, people hype up a team and it's just, I don't know. Do you think maybe it gets in the head of the players or is Ohio state just better? No, man,
1: I think, I think it's just, this is why they play, right? This is why sports should always be and only ever be settled on the field. And it's why March madness is the best, Thing I think probably in all of sports because the best team proves it on the court and that's what we get year after year and unfortunately in college football because they have these subjective coaches polls and rankings and all this other garbage we don't get that and who knows who the best teams in football have been for years going back if only we'd had an opportunity to see what we saw some of this year just what you just described.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's well said. The, I just wonder, especially nowadays, if this stuff, you know, the players, they're all on Twitter, they're all on Facebook, they're watching SportsCenter, whether it's, you know, the, the term is um, bulletin board material. Yeah. So you, you're Ohio State and you're listening to all this stuff. And you're listening to all the, the the predictions and people saying you don't belong there. any red blooded American male who plays a sport like football and, and has pride in what they do. That's got to motivate you. Yeah. I would think, I I would think it
1: would for sure. Yeah. But it's hard to imagine that Alabama is not also motivated, right? Yes. No, for sure. So I don't, maybe, maybe it is enough to give them that extra edge. I don't know. It certainly certainly doesn't hurt, but uh, I I, I wouldn't say it made a difference.
0: Now, were you – did you go – I always see photos on Twitter and things of you at different K-State football games. What, did You you went to some games this year, obviously. what, what, what How did they end their season? I, I didn't follow the Bulls, their Bull.
1: Yeah, they uh, they lost to um, uh, Cal in the uh, 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 Alamo Bowl, and ah. the first half was ugly, and uh, – And then in the second half, they came back and ended up losing, I think, by three, three or four or five or something. Um, So they made it a game. But, yeah, K-State football is really cool. It's a neat environment. It's a very family-oriented program. Uh, Bill Snyder, I don't know how much you know about his story, but he was a legendary coach at K-State for years. Did really well. He retired, and the program basically fell apart. And then they he came back out of retirement, and uh, did exactly the same thing again. He was just elected to the uh, College Football Hall of Fame like yesterday um, because of his success. But the thing is, as great as he is, and a good as good a man as he is, um, he's like he's like zero and ten all time against top ten teams. Uh, And and in bowls, they just never do very well. And I think think what it is really is that uh, in college football, if you have a great, brilliant coach who's able to piece together uh, a team out of junior college transfers and uh, walk-ons like Bill Snyder can do and coach them up and they stay for four years, you can compete at the conference level and make a decent bowl. But when it comes to these big games where you're Playing against an elite program that's got five-star recruits and guys going to the NFL regularly, that level of natural talent just takes over and just can't yeah. just can't be overcome. I think that's all no. it is. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it's not like um, I guess what would be it? probably baseball is a sport where you can have the crafty manager. I mean, the Kansas City Royals. You don't have to look far for an analogy where it's it's not the top tier, uh, big money players, but you can, you can patch together a scrappy team, timely hitting, good defense, you know, all the, the, the core boring things of any sport. Uh, but, but man, you get, I, you know, I think football and certainly basketball, it, the, the cream rise to the top. And unfortunately, usually the cream are the 18, 19 year olds that want out of there and already have agents waiting in the wings yeah and uh but you know so Bill Snyder, I look at guys like that and you say it's it stinks that he can't win maybe the big key games uh, and it, that is what it is but what a legacy you know and and I'm sure he's the I'm sure he's the kind of guy who if he ran for senate or governor of the state not not Walt Brownback is an officer <laughs> but you know if he did is that is that accurate to say he's the kind of guy that could get Uh-oh. elected and has that sort of reputation well he's
1: he's currently the coach and the stadium is called Bill Snyder Family Stadium so <laughs> yeah i mean there's no there's no doubting his uh his popularity and influence and it's Manhattan, Kansas, right? and so you know any level of success people are going to look at and go, this guy has to be good because there's not a lot that's going to get guys to want to come there. um, If it's not just an awesome program.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, a couple other sports things before we move on to pop culture, the uh, NFL playoffs, probably most people will hear this next week after the games have already been played. So it's kind of like listening to a delayed Tony Kornheiser episode when Ron Jaworski picks games and you already <laughs> know the outcome of the games and you start laughing at what an idiot he is. Um, so we'll be brave here, but do you have any predictions? We can just, we don't have to go round by round the next couple of rounds, but, but who do you think, who do you see in the Super Bowl coming? Oh, everywhere? wow.
1: We're going all the way in. Okay. Uh, well for this weekend, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take two road teams. I'm going to take Baltimore over Carolina. Uh, is that right? Is that the matchup? Am I getting that right?
0: No, that's not right. Uh, no, no. Uh, Baltimore, New England, and Carolina, um, Seattle.
1: Oh, okay. So Seattle's obviously going to beat Carolina. I think New England's going to be Baltimore. Uh, I actually think Dallas is going to go into Green Bay and win. Uh, I like Dallas this year. Um, oh, wow. What's the other AFC game?
0: Uh what is it? Denver oh yeah. Um uh who b- Indianapolis. Is that right? Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Denver Indy. Yeah, and
1: Denver's gonna beat Indy. Uh so I think I think that means uh that you're gonna have Denver and uh and New England in the AFC um in a great game uh that I'll probably give to Denver. And, uh, and the NFC Seattle versus Dallas, Dallas beat Seattle in Seattle once this year. It's a hard thing to do again. Um, so we'll say Seattle versus Denver in a repeat. And, uh, wow. and I, th- I think, uh, I think Denver's going to win it.
0: Denver's year, huh? And maybe Peyton goes out on top. I hope so. I'm, I'm ready to be done with Peyton Manning. <laughs> I, I'm a Bears fan. I hate Green Bay so much, but Aaron Rodgers is, uh, I think, the best quarterback right now. And a lot of times, you know, de- a, a a suffocating defense can do it, or or a really hot, red hot, and I mean that with his play, not his looks. Um, they can you can take it a long way. I. Part of me, I mean, I, I don't like, I don't like Dallas at all either. But part of me would like to see them go all the way to the Super Bowl and then lose, just to see <laughs> Cowboy fans <laughs> devastated. But I'm gonna go with New England, a, a repeat of the 1996 or 1997 Super Bowl. New England, Green Bay. Wow, New and, England, huh? And I think. And I think New England wins, and, that, and that's the end of this, this run, this dynasty that they've had for 13 years. So you got Brady going out on top. Yep. You think I, he's and gonna... I, it doesn't bring me joy to say it. I just feel like it's – watching that first Green Bay-New England game earlier this year, which I think is like the best football, best NFL game of the season so far, I would love to see a rematch, rematch of that. And kind of like you said with Seattle, it's hard to beat Belichick twice. Yeah, no doubt. I don't remember that game. It was, uh, I want to say, mid to early November, and it was in Green Bay, and it was very much back and forth, something like a 28-24 outcome for Green Bay, but uh, very good game. So this is a fun time of year. You have a lot of different sports going on, but as you said, The best thing all year is March madness. I don't care what anyone says. I don't have a college team I root for, and it's the best thing all year.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, That's exactly where I'm at, which almost makes it more fun. So here's what we got to do this year, RJ. You know, we did this fantasy football league with some of our buddies, um, which I finished second in, by the way. And if you want to spend 20 minutes talking about that, I'm happy happy to do that. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure the listeners would be fascinated to hear the story. Um, But... uh, there's this great game that I played once when I was at AEI where you draft players who are in the tournament and, uh, and you get their points. And at the end of the tournament, whichever team has the most cumulative points wins. And, uh, and so it's kind of like you have to decide, do you want a guy who plays for Kentucky and scores eight points a game, but might play in five games or do you want the highest scoring player for the 12 seed, who might only play one game but could put up 30? Huh. And you kind of go through it that way. It's a blast, and it just adds That's another level of interest. interesting. I've never of heard interest. of that. Yeah, isn't that cool?
0: I I know coaches have been fired for it, but the March Madness and the brackets, and even just putting a dollar on it, which I know my mom would say is still gambling. <laughs> I, I have so much fun with that, and even if there's, I don't know, maybe I know not every guy is like this, but most guys, even if it's just a burrito on the line or, or something, it, it does make it more fun, especially in those sorts of situations, to do, to do something like you're talking about, to fill out a bracket, and it's more just to be able to talk trash, like fantasy football
1: right totally and make fun of your friends yeah exactly
0: yeah like like me who didn't even realize i was in the playoffs <laughs> because i thought it was only a six team playoff and i was like the eighth seed but it was an eight team. it was uh it's okay it, it wouldn't have mattered
1: you can yeah i didn't con- wh- you can console yourself with that
0: i didn't even know it was going on until our friend philip bethencourt started tweeting trash talk at me and i was like what I'm like, the season's over for me. Why is he taunting me? I don't even care. And then I looked online. I was like, I've I've made a huge mistake. Um, all right. So, oh, real quick, I wanted to give you, I know I saw your tweet the other day. Your Phoenix Suns are playing pretty well. Do you want to take 30 seconds and tell America why they should care?
1: No, they shouldn't care. This, honestly, it's just, it's just me being Preparing myself for the eventual sadness that comes with being a. Sunset. But they're playing well, right? Yeah, but this is what happens with them every single every single season, basically since I've been alive, with a couple of exceptions where they've either been really truly good or awful. Uh, they play at about ten games over 500, which in the Eastern Conference would make them a three or a four seed, and in the West puts them at the eight seed or just out of the playoffs and guarantees them a first-round draft pick right smack in the middle of the first round after all the talent is gone. So that's where we're at again this year. (laughs) It's going to be uh, a season long battle where we'll finish 10 or 15 games over 500, have a pretty respectable record, either be the eight seed and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs or uh, miss the playoffs entirely, but not be bad enough to get a decent draft pick to actually improve our team. So right in the meaty part of the curve. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it it's, Bill Simmons has written about this uh, for years now that the format for something like the NBA draft is just completely backwards from an economics perspective. If if the league was interested in incentivizing teams to really, truly improve, what they would do is give the number one pick in the draft to the first team that missed the playoffs, not the worst team in the league. Huh. Right, because then you're instead of having teams tank and be bad in order to get a guy that they could market and, 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 and eventually who will leave the Milwaukee Bucks to go play for the Lakers once his rookie deal is over, you could add a difference maker to a team that's right on the edge, and, and they're immediately competitive.
0: That's right? very interesting. I've never heard that suggestion, but I like it.
1: Yeah, so anyway, it's never going to happen. The Suns would be the primary beneficiary if it ever did happen. It will never happen, so I'm just going to be sad.
0: Well, speaking of Bill Simmons, this is a nice transition. I wanted us each to give a couple of pop culture podcasts, movies, books, whatever, TV shows, Netflix series, recommendations, something from the past year, from the past few months that stood out to you, and and one of the ones that I jotted down was... uh, Bill Simmons' interview on his on his BS Report podcast with Larry David of Seinfeld and Curb your enthusiasm fame. If you haven't heard this interview, I'll put a link up to it when I post the episode. But just Google Bill Simmons Larry David. Uh, it, it's a fascinating hour long interview. They they get into of course some of the Seinfeld Curb you know his career stuff, but it's also interesting to hear that like he's a legit sports fan and really follows sports. Uh, it made me happy to hear he watches PTI every day, and he's a big Jets fan and Knicks fan, and he talks about the uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where he, he trips Sha- Shaquille O'Neal in yes. the Lakers game, <laughs> and it's just a really fun hour where if you're a fan or a big fan or even a casual fan of Seinfeld, Curb, Larry David, you know, all that, it's it's great stuff and bill simmons you can tell i love when you can when you can read even through you know your your earphones that he's a big fan he really likes larry david larry david really responds well sometimes larry can be weird in interviews but it's just a great conversation for fans of of sports and comedy
1: that sounds awesome i didn't know that existed but i'm gonna check it out i I, you might have noticed that using your generously provided HBO go password. I've been working through curb and, uh, yes, (laughs) it's, it's amazing. It's completely, It's it's completely inappropriate. Uh, and I would never recommend it to anyone I went to church with, but, uh, it's the funniest show I've ever seen. Hands
0: down. Easily, easily, easily the funniest show. And what you get from watching curb, I think it's actually on like um, there's some new channel, the Comedy Channel, not Comedy Central, but like the Comedy Channel or something else. And I've heard that they're replaying episodes that are edited, you okay. know, for, for wow, basic that's, cable. That's a lot of that's a lot of editing. <laughs> yes. Well, and some episodes are are more uh, you know yeah, intense yeah. than others, but his social commentary, his worldview is so funny and entertaining. And he somehow is able to combine cynicism and selfishness with like there is there is some heart to the show too. And there's a very human element that you connect with his, the characters. There's so many great special guests and his friends that are like the reoccurring characters. I, I think it's just a perfect show. And so they even talk about the future of the show in this in this episode. It just it, the, the podcast just aired like three or four weeks ago, so it's relatively new. So that's one thing. Um, a Netflix recommendation. Uh, I watched Marco Polo, my wife and I did. Um, that's one where they basically just said, let's compete with Game of Thrones for how many boobs we can show. <laughs> In the midst of a pretty interesting story, but it's one of those things, again, like you said, I can't really recommend it. Uh, but it, I don't know. It was it was very interesting. And it, it, You just wish that they would offer nowadays, like, give the option, like on iTunes, where there's an explicit and a clean version. Yeah. Why not offer parents and a whole new audience, the PG-13 and and lower audience, uh, you know, a look at a, a cool, interesting show like that. So Marco Polo is one thing, but something I've been obsessed with the last month or so are these series that Ewan McGregor made about taking motorcycle trips around the world okay long no I think
1: I think I saw something that you put on Facebook maybe and I I didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was about I thought it was that Che Guevara movie where he's in a motorcycle (laughs) and I was like why is RJ liking this yeah no yeah
0: no this is very different it's him and a buddy another actor from England and the first series, the first... I guess it was on BBC or whatever like 10 years ago. So it's nothing, you know, breaking or brand new and probably some listening will have already seen it years ago because I think they've already been on a DVD, but it just came to Netflix. So they did one trip from London all the way across Europe and Asia to Russia, then took a boat to Alaska and then did Alaska to New York City and then flew home. And... It's amazing, you get to see parts of the world that I, I knew nothing about, i never seen. And then they did another one from London to I think Cape Town, South Africa. And they go off-roading, they go through, they stop and visit the cultures, and I, it's, it's really interesting stuff. If you like, you know, geography and travel channel type stuff, um, and trying new foods, and also just sort of the adventure of these guys being out, you know, sleeping in tents along the way. So, how many
1: ice packs do you think you need for your crotch if you've ridden a motorcycle <laughs> that long?
0: They, they were, yeah, they were walking like bow-legged cowboys by the end. But that, uh, that's
1: a ridiculous amount of time on a motorcycle.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's good though. And then I would say real quickly before we will get to you, Tietzel, um I think in terms of movies from the past year, I, I really enjoyed. I just I got to see American Sniper, which will be coming out uh, next week awesome film, and uh, I loved Fury. Fury was another one of my favorites from the year. I really liked The Drop with Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini, his last movie. Uh, I liked Birdman, which you and I disagree on, but uh, those are a few of, of, I think, some of the better films that I saw. There was many this year. I think I think there was a lot of good movies this year, um, a, a Wealth of Riches, and I'm looking forward to seeing a few others before the Oscars hit, but yeah, those are some pop culture recommendations I have. Tietzel, anything that stood out this year to you? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I will,
1: uh, I'll I'll go the opposite pattern that you went and start with movies. I haven't seen American Sniper because I live in a flyover state that Hollywood has ignored uh, <laughs> for some weeks yet.
0: Um, well, don't, don't feel bad because it's not even in Chicago yet. Oh,
1: well, okay.
0: So uh, you're at least, you're <laughs> least on par with them. The only place it's been released is three theaters in the entire country so far and it's already made a couple million dollars
1: that's crazy that's really crazy uh and and great because it looks it looks awesome and i read your review and i i can't wait to to see it uh yes
0: and let me just add real quick for anybody listening who might be hesitant about seeing because it's an r-rated movie there is definitely language um in the heat of battle the soldiers the way they talk but much like saving private ryan this isn't this is a story worth seeing and supporting and, and even more than Saving Private Ryan, which was a made up story based on, you know, pieced together stories. This is the real life story. Clint Eastwood went to great lengths to try to tell this, this American snipers tale and it's powerful and it's good. And so I'm not saying bring your 10 year old to it, but if you're the type of person who's typically doesn't see R rated movies, which I can respect and, and honor. And my, my mom's that way um it's worth going to see if not in theater at least at some point in support with your money a movie that is does a really good job of depicting what soldiers go through and and you know the true heroes they are even when they don't feel like it
1: cool well good um thanks for saying that and i can't wait to see it whenever the powers that be decide to deign to my existence and let me let me spend my money (laughs) on their film uh I'll talk to some people. Thanks. Yeah, that'd be great. So I did see Whiplash, and I've talked. I think I don't know if
0: I've talked about this on the podcast or not. Have I? Have we talked about this, or did we just talk maybe? About it? I, I I don't think so. But go ahead, because I, I I still haven't seen this, but I'm I'm intrigued based on your recommendation.
1: Well, uh, you know the bald guy from those Allstate commercials who wears the vest and pretends to be a I don't know an insurance professor
0: or something. Yes. that's the dad the, from Juno. The dad from what? From the movie Juno, if yes. people remember the, yeah, if he's been in was... a bunch of stuff. You'd rec- you'd recognize him.
1: You'd recognize him if only we knew his name. I don't know his name. Uh, so he plays this um, tough as nails uh, jazz band uh, leader, Orc- orchestra, orchestrator. What, what's the? I don't know. Whatever the word is. Conductor. And, thank you. And uh, and there's this kid who. Um, uh, plays the love interest in all of um, the, uh, uh, sh- uh, uh, who's that other actress that does all the Kitty dystopian novel movies these days?
0: Oh, um, yeah, the, the Divergent movies?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: What is Uh, that girl's name? She's in The Fault in Our Stars.
1: Shailene Woodley. Yeah. So it's the guy who's in all of those movies with her. And sometimes he's the love interest and sometimes he's the bad guy. Anyway, so uh, he plays this prodigy, this drum prodigy, who's uh, who's, uh, chosen to be part of this band and immediately incurs the wrath of this director who just takes it to a whole other level in terms of his cruelty and expectation of this kid. And I don't like jazz and I don't know that much about music, um, but this movie had me on the edge of my seat the entire time, two and a half hours straight. It's just nonstop intensity and this fantastic story with twists and turns and it's incredible. It should be a nominee for Best Film of the Year if it isn't. And I I don't think there's any doubt that this all state guy is going to win, uh, an award for uh, best supporting actor or something for his portrayal. It's, uh, really, truly, truly phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So I guess I have to see that you got
1: to see whiplash. Um, uh, as far as Netflix, probably the most interesting thing I saw on Netflix this year, uh, was the black mirror series. Have you gotten into that at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that we definitely talked about this last time, or at least you, you teased it a little bit. It's a British show, right? Yeah. It's a
1: British show and it's, it's basically a brilliantly done commentary on the effects of technology in contemporary culture. It's kind of like Neil Postman or Marshall McLuhan brought to life and depicted uh, through a fictional story. And each, each season is made up of hour long episodes, like three hour long episodes and all the actors change from episode to episode. So it's kind of unique in that way. And some of the episodes have a very different feel from others. And this is another one that comes with a content warning. Um, and it, it's a little weird. It's it's like the... Do you ever see the thematic material content warning? Where you're sort of like, what, is that? what does that mean? Yes. It's not exactly nudity. And it's not really language. There's just the subject matter is so adult-oriented that... Kids probably shouldn't be exposed to it. It's kind of where this this one is at. At least a couple of the episodes. So uh, take that for for what it's worth. And then I'm also not that much of a music guy, and I may indeed take some flack from you for saying this, but um, I went ahead and downloaded Taylor Swift's album.
0: <laughs> no, dude, I it, love Taylor Swift. You're
1: not gonna get any flack <laughs> from me. I didn't know that. Well. Have you have you listened to this album? I mean, have you like
0: s- yes. worked oh, through it? Yeah, oh Whit- yeah, Whitney so and I good. have listened to it many times. It's so good. I mean, it just it
1: is. It might not be perfect from beginning to end, but there are so many good songs on this album. I I like I love it. I don't think you can go wrong with it. So yeah,
0: I like it. I like for that what it's worth. There you go, my girl T Swizzle. <laughs> I'm all about it. No, that's good. Well, last thing before we wrap up, any book recommendation? It doesn't have to be from the past year, but something you read this year that really stood out. And I know we both read the Lewis and Clark book, which has been out for more than a decade, Undaunted Courage. <laughs> yeah. But I'll just go ahead and say that's the best book I've read in a long time. I, I wanted to get a coonskin hat and <laughs> and, and, and winnow out a uh, a canoe out of a piece of driftwood and head up to Columbia like that, that book is so gripping. It's such a fascinating American story. The fact that that hasn't been made into a film yet is a travesty. So, if anyone, if you haven't read Undaunted Courage, Stephen Ambrose, I know. Many will be like, hey, when I tweeted about it, people were like, hey, 2004 called and wants its book back. <laughs> somebody, somebody said to me, yeah, I think I wrote a book report on that in high school. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, which makes you feel good. Yeah. But that book and that story is fascinating. So that's the book I read this year that stood out the most.
1: Yeah, that's a that was a great one. I, uh, I would agree for sure. Another one I read, I should say that I finished reading because I, I think I started it probably – um, in 2013, uh, was Ron Chernow's biography of George Washington. Um, oh. that was fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, he goes into everything. It's very long and, um, th- it's thorough. We'll put it that way. Um, but gripping, learn a lot about the father of our country. Um, so uh, another history one for folks, one book that I just started reading that I am really enjoying is the signal and the Noise which is um, the book by uh, Nate Silver, who is the uh, famous uh, or or well-known, at least within certain circles, uh, statistician who uh, used to work for the New York Times doing political electoral analysis based on on polling and that kind of thing. And uh, he actually recently left the New York Times and I think started his own firm um that has a whole focus on sports and uh, the Grantland guys talk about this a lot. He may even write for Grantland uh, from time to time now but it's uh, it's all about how to make sense of statistics and where statistics mislead you with the noise and how to he kind of like uses statistics to uh, drill down and find um, what is actually true and relevant when looking at information and he's, He's got a model that is, as I already mentioned, very well-respected. I think in the last couple of elections, he was one of the few pundits to almost perfectly uh, predict the outcome of the presidential
0: elections. That's good. That's a great recommendation and something a little bit outside of uh, what people might normally want to read. It's kind of like Moneyball or some of these books where you're like, uh, I don't know, I don't really like baseball or stats or whatever. Um but are, are definitely worth checking out. And in the case of Moneyball, they were able to turn into a movie.
1: Yeah, which is a good movie, actually. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. This one so, may not be a right.
1: movie, but. <laughs>
0: yeah. that might, who knows? That's not going to be. That's not going to be starring the guy who we can't think of his name from Whiplash. <laughs> exactly. Picture me on just that I hollow. I picture you in slow motion somewhere in West Colorado. Well, I don't know where that place is. If I did, I would follow. I do